When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Minnesota Vikings found a way to save their season on Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to really briefly touch on that game and what it means moving forward, along with looking at the first border battle against that team from Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers. And we're also going to look at if the Vikings could be buyers, not sellers at the trade deadline, and who could potentially be targets. Spoiler, it's all one area. And welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis. The managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run In Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. Welcome, Oops. welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornas. With me, as always, is producer Dave. And I, I would point, but as soon as he flips the script, he's going to be in a different spot. And I didn't want to get the point wrong this time. I, I get that wrong a lot. Dave, how are you? <laughs> oh, it's okay for a Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to put it. And let's kind of briefly touch on uh, Monday's game. I got through the film, and I I came away really impressed with a lot of things. And I think uh friend of the show, Luke Braun of lockdown Vikings said it best. This was a win that wasn't any singular person. This was a true team win. Everybody stepped up. Brian Flores basically ran dime packages for the majority of the game. He played two linebackers on five snaps, five snaps. That's it. 
he played dime for the majority of the game and it worked. And the reason being is you're able to kind of run around and you, it's harder for that offense with play action and stuff. And they're heavier packages to take advantage of you. If you're playing multiple defensive backs and that's why 12 personnel can be so dangerous. The Vikings had an answer for it and it's not something you can do every single week, but Brian Flores was on top of things and he had it rocking and rolling and ready to go. Now, when you look forward, I would expect um, like Ivan Pace only played five snaps. That's not going to happen every single week. And a lot of it just has to do with game scripts. So I wouldn't place any kind of panic button like, oh, does Ivan Pace stink now? No, he's fine. But sometimes you have to look at things from a different lens where, okay, the game plan and game script called for this. So we're just going to continue to run that. And that's kind of how the Vikings handled it. And it was a really, really impressive game from the defense. Cam Bynum obviously was all over the field. He won defensive player of the week. And it was well-deserved. He was dominating throughout the entire game and attacked multiple levels of the offense forced or as a catalyst in forcing three turnovers. I think they may have credited Harrison Smith officially with that fumble, the forced fumble, but it was Bynum that got the tackle. Uh, and you look at some of the other pieces on the defense. Daniel Hunter looked like Daniel Hunter. DJ Wanham had a few good plays. And Jonathan Bullard stood out, especially in the running game, getting into the backfield, clogging lanes, playing really disciplined football and being able to stop Christian McCaffrey before he was able to get a lot of yards. And they, I think they had what around a hundred rushing yards, probably just a little bit less. They were able to really corral that San Francisco attack from really being able to do a lot of damage. They only had a few down the field plays. And then obviously that Christian McCaffrey swing pass, which it feels really annoying, but the Vikings have made that play multiple times this year where, Hey, you need to make this tackle in space. And they just didn't. And it just happened to be the perfect play call against the perfect or the right defense that the Vikings called. Sometimes that happens and you just got to live with it. And briefly on the offense, what were By you the way, it was, it wasn't a hundred yards. The Vikings held them to 65 total yards rushing. All right. Well, that's even better. I'll take that. Um, CMC only to 45. Okay. Hell yeah. When you take a look at the, the offense, look, I, I think it's fair to say Dalton Risner played well, and he was a good signing, and he did a great job in relief of Ezra Cleveland, but he should not start over Ezra Cleveland and he should remain the backup reason being some of the things that Ezra can do. He just can't. And they were running a lot of, and uh, listening to Luke earlier today, uh, he really described it in a way that I, I w- wouldn't have been able to, because I just don't didn't know what it was called. They run the, they ran these trap protections, which if you know, trap, that you're going to have everybody slanting one way and then you're going to pull a guard and get a trap block like going the opposite way. So if everybody's slanting left, that guard's going to pull right. And that that's how that play works. Well, they were doing some of those in pass protection where Risner was trying to pull out from the left side to go block 
uh, the right defensive end. That doesn't work very well when you're Dalton Risner because as great as he is, he's a phone booth kind of guy. So if he were an offensive lineman for the Ravens, I think that'd be a great fit because he's a mauler. And the second he gets his hands on you, bye, you're done. And he can drive you and he can do all these things. But when it comes to moving and climbing to the second level and pulling and being able to make those kind of blocks, that's not his game. And he's just not able to do it at a high enough level. Whereas Ezra Cleveland, that is his game. And that's how you can really maximize the strengths of this unit by utilizing a guy like Ezra who has really quick uh, quick feet and great speed and agility for an offensive lineman. And that's going to help him moving forward and why this offensive line can do multiple things. Because yes, you have O'Neal and Derrissaw. You can't just leave them on an island every single play. You have to mix it up a little bit and you have to be able to confuse the pass rush because the pass rush needs to have an element of thinking. Well, what if I get chipped this play? What if they do that trap protection? You know, those little things make a difference. And I I thought Risner acquitted himself. Well, I thought Ed Ingram did really well against Eric Armstead and their multiple one-on-one opportunities. A couple more things on the offense that we're going to kind of shift focus forward because we have a lot to talk about. Kevin O'Connell's play calling is great. Um, one of the disconnects I see with how people view his play calling and what the reality is with his play calling. It's all about execution. If the play is executed well, he gets a lot of praise. Oh, that was a great play call. But if the players don't execute the play, even though the play was there, it's viewed as bad. And I, I just challenge you to like get that all 22 from NFL plus and go watch it. You know, we'll, we'll, sh- we'll end up sharing some of those instances. And I've, I share plenty on my Twitter. So you'll be able to see some of those things. But the the big thing here is just because it wasn't executed doesn't mean it wasn't good. It's it's almost like uh, you go to a steakhouse and they overcook your porterhouse. Well, the cut of meat was good, but they cooked it poorly. That's not the meat's fault. That's the cook. In this instance, Kevin O'Connell is the meat. The players are the cook. If the players don't execute the plays, that, that's not you can you can round about. Hey, it's on the coaching, but if they coach it up right and the players just screw up, like that's on them, and that's not on the scheme. It's not on the play calling, and I think that's where some of that disconnect is. But O'Connell's doing such a good job of getting guys in space and setting them up to succeed, and that's not something we've seen consistently with this with coaching staffs in the past. Last year at Donatel. Brian Flores is basically using the same players last year. Um, there have been some replacements, and we've gotten younger, especially at the cornerback position. But he's getting them in position to succeed. And they're crashing to the ball. The Vikings have allowed more than 25 points three times this year. The other th- And the other four times, they're three and one. So... They're able, they're starting to be able to take advantage of teams with, with their defense. And I think that's really important here. Um, lastly, and I, I said this, and there was even a clip for, on social media today. Kirk Cousins played his best game as a pro. Uh, all encompassing. It was his best game. I even had a couple people in my mentions be like, how are you going to spin this one on Kirky boy? There's no spin. Kirk was great. He stood in the pocket. He knew what he had to do. 
He knew that he was going to be facing some adversity without Jefferson seasons on the line. And he balled out. Um, he, it was almost like he left his body and somebody was playing him on Madden. And it was, <laughs> I don't mean that as an insult because this did not look like a Kirk Cousins game. This looked like a different quarterback playing as Kirk Cousins. He was everything that he's shown that he's been able to do. He just did. And to me, that's a big deal, including move around in the pocket. Mm-hmm. He's been very, very, very inconsistent with that with moving around in the pocket, sensing pressure and being able to evade it. He was great. Um, Norsefias, um, Eclair is really good. She had a seizure. I think, I think it was Monday. I think I said so on the show, but yeah, she's been, she's been doing real good. Um, the medication seems to be working. We're going to take her to the vet after a month and, we'll kind of see what her blood levels are at and we'll figure out what our next steps are and making sure that we just take the best care of her. Cause she may just have seizures the rest of her life and there's nothing we can do about it. My best friend has epilepsy and that it comes and goes and that may be the same with her, but we'll find out. Um, lastly, um, everybody's giving flowers to Jordan Addison. He deserves it. Brandon Powell deserves his flowers. His, some of his like, I talked a lot about him during the preseason and how I thought he looked great and he was playing fantastic football. And I I was a little surprised. He barely got any run early in the season. He looked fantastic against the 49ers running violent and explosive routes, making space. And then once he gets the ball, this is where this is what he's good at. Once the ball's in his hands, creating I'm a big Florida Gator fan. I think everybody knows that you can kind of see, Hey, I I even screw up when I'm looking at myself. You you can see the little Gator right here. You can see the swamp right above, but they used him like Percy Harvin and he's not Percy Harvin, but he uses that kind of player, a player you can put in the backfield, a player you can put out wide as a returner and then just get the ball in his hands, let him do things. And if the Vikings can figure out a way to give him the ball and just let him do things, I think you could actually get have a level of success with Brandon Powell and not just with the gadgety stuff because he's shown over the last couple of weeks he can play. And it, it's a great development right now for the Vikings to have somebody step up, especially with Jalen Naylor still working his way back from that hamstring. He's got two weeks left before he has to come off of injured reserve or stay on it for the rest of the season because he's in that practice window. So I think overall... Look, the Vikings had a great game, and now how can they spin it forward? That That's the big question, and that's why we're here tonight. We're going to talk about spinning it forward. And Dave, we got the Green Bay Packers. It's we Packer have, week. Oh, it is Packer week. And the Vikings are currently one-point underdogs, according to BetMGM. Now, here's the thing with Vegas. They don't overreact to singular performances. They look for trends. That is where they have the advantage where they have their systems and they're able to kind of figure out, Hey, X, Y, and Z. And one game with, with the exception, like Justin Jefferson, uh, there's a study done. He's worth almost two points. It was like 1.7 points on the spread. So just not having him, if the Vikings had him, the Vikings are probably favored by a half a point in this game. 
Like that's how impactful of a player he is. And we're talking like of non-quarterbacks. He was third behind Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And it's not insulting at all to be behind those guys. It actually makes sense why he's behind those guys based on the context of what they do for their team and how important they are in the whole context of how they run and operate their offense. So one point underdogs means they would be uh, one and a half point favorites on a neutral field. They'd be four point favorites at home. Sounds about right, but they don't overreact to one game and we can talk about how kind of they're viewed. So last year we had a lot of talk about DVOA and DVOA got a lot of criticism from Vikings fans last year because it's like, Oh, the Vikings are 13 and four. Who cares about DVOA? DVOA is a predictive metric talking. It's, um, it's basically your value over average. Okay. So if an average team is zero on offense, you want to be positive on defense. You want to be negative. Okay. Right now, the Vikings are a 0.6% overall DVOA. So they are 0.6% above average. That is 16th in the national football league on offense. They're 0.3% and that's 14th in league defense, negative 3%, which is good. That is 15th special teams. I'm surprised it's this low. They're negative 2.6%, which is 27th in the league going into the game. Like Greg Joseph had missed one kick and he missed two against the 49ers. But I'm surprised it's that low because I thought the special teams is actually pretty good. But what's hilarious is the the 19th overall DVOA teams in New York Jets, and they are first in special teams DVOA. So DVOA itself is not a metric that you should cling on to. Like, oh, this is God tier. This is everything, and we we only need to make sure we follow DVOA. DVOA is meant to be predictive, and it's meant to be. Hey, this is what you've done, and this is how we can predict moving forward. So basically, the Vikings are a slightly above average football team. And even though they're losing, they probably shouldn't have a three and four record. Now, when you take a look at the Packers in those same metrics, they're worse, significantly worse. 25th overall in DVOA, 17th on offense, 27th on defense, and 30th on special teams. Those general constructs tell you that when the Packers play a good opponent, they're not going to do very well. And looking at their schedule, they've beaten the Bears and they beat the Saints coming back from a 17-0 deficit, which in itself was insane. I'm still shocked that they came back in that game, but they've lost. They got crushed by the Lions. They lost to the Falcons. They they just lost to the Broncos, and I can't even remember the fourth team that they lost to. I'll be able to pull that up here in just a second because ugh, I think, was it the Browns? I don't even remember, but we'll find out. Oh, yeah, they lost to the Raiders on Monday Night Football, and they still have the Chargers and Chiefs coming up later in the year. You get both those at Lambo, but this Packers team is in a, a real weird spot, Dave, because they they're missing a lot of players. Last week, no Jair Alexander. They lost Devontae Wyatt to injury, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage. 
The latter two just went on injured reserve today. And they didn't have Devondre Campbell. And David Bakhtiari's basically played like three games for them in the past three years, ever since tearing his ACL in 2020. This is a, a team that has young players at premium positions. They have talent, but they're just not able to put it all together. I'm not really sure if there's any specific reason, but I think some of it you can point to the growth or lack thereof of Jordan Love throughout the course of the year. By watching him, I just feel like he's he's got everything you want. It's almost like giving a 12-year-old a, a Porsche. Yeah, the 12-year-old has the best car, but can he drive it? Legally, the answer is no. But can he drive the car is the big question. And that's kind of what you have with Jordan Love. He's got all the tools. He's got the strong arm. He's got the ability to make wild throws. He can throw with pinpoint accuracy at times. But he can't stay consistent. Is he going to be able to work through that? I mean, Aaron Rodgers did. Aaron Rodgers kind of stunk in his first year as a starter in 2008. That was his fourth year in the league. Same as Jordan Love. But when you look at those things, it's hard to know for certain whether it's Y or Z or something completely different. Is he going to be able to figure it out long-term? We don't know. They got him under contract for one more year. It's less guaranteed than what he would have gotten with the fifth-year option. It was almost like a compromise. Like, hey, we want to keep you for another year, but we don't want to fully guarantee that option. So we'll give you a very similar contract, but we're going to guarantee you less money. It's kind of a a fair compromise win-win for both sides because Love still makes a bunch of money. And... The Packers get a little bit of relief, especially if he ends up stinking this year. They don't have to commit to all of that next season. But just looking at Jordan Love, we'll go through some of the metrics. What's really hilarious here, Dave, he's second in the league in air yards with 9.5 yards per attempt. They're trying to throw it down the field. They really are. Their success rate overall is 20th in the league. Their EPA per play and adjusted EPA per play. So adjusted EPA per play is just a more specific, more accurate measurement in terms of being able to project. Um, Both 14th in the league. EPA and CPOE composite, which CPOE is completion percentage over expected. That's 18th in the league. And I'll pull up his... uh, I forgot to actually grab his uh, CPOE earlier. Um, His CPOE is... not good. It's 31st in the league. So... That kind of plays into this last metric. His expected completion percentage, 32nd out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks. Here's what these numbers are telling me, and it kind of bears out with the film, Dave. They're trying to drive the ball down the field. They're failing to throw the ball down the field. They're failing to get it to these receivers in space in the intermediate levels of the field, and they're failing to connect deep. So, for retro for perspective, okay, let's take a look at Kirk Cousins. All right, Kirk Cousins, tenth in com- uh, in CPOE completion percentage over expecting, three point five percent. Same as Brock Purdy, uh, just ahead of Jared Goff and Justin Herbert. Air yards, Cousins is twenty fifth in the league at seven point three. Considering how many times, especially the last couple weeks, he's had to kind of throw it shorter. That number bears out. You'd like it better, but you live with it. Considering. 
expected completion percentage. Jordan Love was 32nd. Kirk Cousins, 15th. Success rate. So success rate is, I, I don't have the specific numbers, but basically, is this play, like the, the play is expect, like if you get over this, it's considered successful. Okay, success rate for Kirk Cousins, 15th. And Jordan Love was 20th. EPA per play, Kirk Cousins 12th. Adjusted EPA per play, Kirk Cousins is 9th. And the EPA CPOE composite, he is 8th. So Cousins ranks significantly higher in some of these metrics, but they're trying to drive the ball down the field even more with this offense in Green Bay. They're just not hitting. So what happens if they do start hitting it? What happens if Jordan Love ends up really starting to figure things out and is more comfortable throwing down the field and making better throws down the field and getting his mechanics tightened up so he can complete those passes? It can mean a really big change. And some of the things we talked about the Vikings, where, hey, it's not so much that they're playing bad, they're just missing opportunities. The turnovers. You clean up the turnovers, the Vikings, you could make an argument the Vikings are undefeated right now. Like, that's kind of the same thing that we're talking about with Jordan Love. He needs to really figure out what he is and figure out some of those little things to correct it. If he can do that, this Packers team has a real opportunity to take a leap. But it's it's not all about the offense. The defense is struggling. I don't think there's a single Packer fan that likes Joe Barry. He runs a lot of the Fangio stuff. And we know all Fangio stuff has given Kevin O'Connell fits over the years. And it's given Sean McVay fits. That's why they all, everybody from that tree wants to run Fangio stuff. Because like, oh, it screws us up. It'll screw everybody up. That's kind of the theory and philosophy. They did decide to go with Brian Flores, which I think was the best call considering what personnel you have and how he likes to run his defense. Yeah, it's it's completely different, but that difference not always bad. So defensively, Packers defense is a struggle bus. And we're we're looking at some of the analytics right now because we can talk about like the on-field stuff and how they're struggling and the injuries. The injuries are probably what are what's going to do in the Packers this weekend. EPA per play, expected points added, 21st. Success rate, 23rd. Dropback EPA, 13th. So EPA per dropback. So anytime the quarterback drops back for a pass, whether it ends up being a pass or not, but per drop back, 13th. Success rate per drop back, 23rd. So even though the EPA isn't always great, the success rate is, which means you can keep moving the chains. And by moving the chains, that's going to help you score points. Rush EPA and rush success rate, 25th and 26th. You can run the ball on these guys. Will the Vikings try to establish the run? How will they attack this defense? Is it going to be, I want to run, 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 run the ball? Is it going to be, hey, let's beat these guys with play action and beat them over the middle of the field because the linebackers are hurt? Like, There's a lot of different things that you can talk about, but overall, this Packers team is really underperforming. And honestly, they should be one in five. The fact that they ended up beating the Saints was... a more of a Saints collapse than a Packers, hey, nice job. This is a winnable game for the Vikings, Dave. What do you think? 
Oh. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <clears throat> I agree. As well does most of America. It's over 56 0.4% of the money is going on the Vikings. I just got done recording the NFC North show, Who Will Be King? And the Bears representative is complaining how poorly his offensive line is playing, and he's mm-hmm. worried about the pass rush. Well, as we all know, Davenport's out, unfortunately, and we expect that to be made up in different ways like we saw on Monday night. Yes, we have Daniil Hunter, but what Brian Flores is doing is mixing things up with the defense, as you mentioned, playing a whole lot of dime package, and all the blitzes he's doing is messing with these young quarterbacks' heads. That should continue on Sunday. I fully expect for Jordan Love to see things he hasn't seen in the quantity he hasn't seen. But it's not just Jordan Love. It's the offensive line as well. I think it was uh, Booney that said, it's not the fact that you're blitzing that causes problems, but the fact that you're blitzing every single time and it starts the O-line's head starting to swim is who's coming, who's going, who's dropping back, where are they running, who's stunting, who's doing this. And it gets tiresome throughout the game. And I do believe that's a vi- to the Vikings' advantage that they continue to do such. Throw in the weather. Weather forecast for Sunday. Is it supposed to be cloudy? Uh, expect field conditions to be damp because it's been raining earlier Thursday, Friday-ish. There's a chance of rain Saturday night. It's low. Doubt that's going to happen. But... The high is right around 40. It's not going to be a pleasant, you know, beautiful day under a dome type of game. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings take advantage of that. I fully think, like you do, I think they're going to try to get the running game going as well as the passing. And if Kirk Cousins, you know, gets that first pass off successfully, like he did Monday night, even though it was taken away from Addison, he he turns into Mr. Hot. And if he's all full of himself and he's making, you know, I can do this, give him another chance, set of chains. We could we could go in there and beat this team. I don't think they're as good as they want to think they are in Green Bay. The They think they're still looking for an identity. I don't think they have it. So 
take advantage of it. Yeah, and I think the Vikings really can take advantage of a lot with this team. I'm really, really excited for this game. And one of the reasons I'm excited is I think the Vikings can go in there and win. I think when you look at some of the matchups that the Vikings have with the Green Bay Packers, it's the biggest matchup they have is I think they can just straight up block that Packers defensive line. And the one guy that's given them issues is Kenny Clark. Well, the Vikings interior is playing better than it has since Steve Hutchinson was on the offensive line. I'm I'm less concerned about Kenny Clark, especially after some of the performances we've seen against some really good defensive tackles. Like we held Chris Jones relatively quiet for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can hold Chris Jones quiet. I feel like you can take care of Kenny Clark. Now, Mateo asks is if he's crazy to feel like we're setting up for a letdown. Well, it's no. a rivalry game. Always, always be prepared for a letdown because Vikings fans, we've seen it too many times, Mm -hmm. but each, each individual game is, um, each individual game is its own. So yes, in the past we've done X, Y, and Z to let be let down. Here's the thing that doesn't mean it has to happen now and this season. And I think some of those things, we're conditioned to believe it's just going to keep happening again. And I remember I was in uh, the voices of wrestling um, office slack and somebody put like, um, it's really hard to be a Philadelphia sports fan because the Eagles just lost in the Super Bowl. The Phillies lost in game seven of the, uh, the NLCS the other night. And then the 76ers were super close to getting back to the Eastern conference finals. I'm like, okay, the Phillies have won what two World Series in the last twenty years. The Eagles won a Super Bowl and they've been to two others. Uh, let me know how how again you're tortured. Like, <laughs> and that is, and, and I'm not trying to insult Philadelphia fans. Like, I, I get it; it's a different kind of torture. But we've had the carrot dangled in front of us for so long, and been completely bamboozled and just brutalized emotionally that it's easy to kind of get ourselves back to just prepare for that. But this game is going to be completely different in the fact that this game is just, it's not like life or death. Last week I felt like it was life or death. If you lose to the Packers, you're three and five, the Packers are three and four. You're still within at worst, the game and a half of the wild card. Cause right now we're a half a game out of the wild card spot with 10 games left. That's a good place to be. And like, I'd rather just have the playoffs. I'd rather be in the division lead, but I like where the Vikings are headed. And I think especially with the emergence of Jordan Addison and just to imagine like the whole idea of having Addison was giving Justin Jefferson a true running mate. So it was two guys, not one. And obviously you have TJ Hawkinson, but it's just different with an outside receiver than it is a tight end. You're trying to exploit different matchups and you're trying to do different things. And the fact is an outside receiver is almost always going to be more valuable than a slot receiver or a tight end. That's just the way it is. The emergence of Jordan Addison has come faster than we expected. He tied a rookie record held by Randy Moss. Yeah, six other people held it too, but we're but held by Randy Moss. 
six touchdowns in his first seven games as a professional football player. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he, he still struggles a little bit with contact, but he has shown that he can, he's improving. I thought the way he handled press and the way he handled like the Traverius Ward stuff where Ward stole the interception out of his hands. And then he just took the touchdown out of his hands at the end of the first half. Like there's growth and there's adjusting and he's understanding how to utilize his size in order to get around press. And that was something and the issues with press didn't exactly come out of nowhere. He dealt with them in college and he ended up dealing with them now. And he's going to deal with them unless he ends up getting a lot stronger, which how much stronger can you get without losing a lot of that speed and agility? Because that's part of the problem. The more weight you gain, theoretically, the slower you get because there's more mass and you have to be careful and you have to make sure you're getting the right weight. So Addison's probably going to max out at best like 185 pounds. So you have to be able to understand what he is and how we can maneuver. And I think with his growth so far this year, you're setting up to be in a really good spot. And I'm very happy with it right now. And I think uh, Dave is happy with it too. And look, this team is going to see, continue to see some road bumps, but it feels like they've kind of settled into a little bit of a groove and they understand what they are and they're game planning well, and they're starting to really execute well. Cause that was honestly the biggest issue first, first few weeks execution. Yeah. And we all saw it. We all thought they were a little choppy, little out of sync and that was not the case on monday night it looked like it was all meshing and coming together like the plan was designed and it was absolutely a beautiful thing and they and it demonstrated the talent that we were squawking about in the preseason that this team is talent rich and they should be able to go on and win a lot of football games because of that and that's across the board, not just players, but coaches as well. And I think they're I think they're gonna settle in and do that. And they control their own fate. They can literally win the division just by keeping up with Detroit and then beating them both those games. They'll win the division. That's all they have to do. They are in the driver's seat, even though they're two games behind Detroit. And there's not a lot of teams that can say they're in the driver's seat at this point in the season. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, Earlier in the chat, it was uh, Clifford uh, talking about life and death for the front office. Sell, don't sell. Um, Let's talk about that. And then we're going to end the show here tonight. Um, I wrote a piece earlier today for Vikings wire talking about this exact issue. And I wrote a piece last week about uh, Daniel Hunter and Hey, why, why should we trade him? And I wrote that piece, not saying I agree, not saying I think we should trade him, but what's the argument. And I think if you approach it from the right way, it's, it's a good idea. And um, before he ended up leaving us, I had one of my former writers, Kevin Fielder. I had him write the piece why we should trade Justin Jefferson, because you'd be able to get a haul back for him. Not saying that we agree with it, but it's a good thing to explore. 
And it's a good thing to understand, hey, what are the merits behind it? Because eventually, somebody could offer you a package that's just too good to pass up. What happens if like Carolina offers you to go um, move um, down eight spots in the draft and they give you an absolute haul? Like, but instead of the first overall pick, it's Justin Jefferson. You have to be prepared for that. And I think that it's important to explore those things. And I'll, I want to address this because Dave, um, somebody put in the chat, uh, Ryan, that it's a Vikings offense is designed for big body wide receivers anyways. Isn't designed. Negative. Oh, no, it says it's. Oh, you're right. I misread. Sorry. I think you can survive with bigger bodied wide receivers, but you look at those Rams teams that Sean McVay designed the offense for. Robert Woods weighs like 195. Cooper Cup is now up to like 210, but he was like 195 himself. They have Tutu Atwell, like the smallest player in the history of football, 155 pounds. It, they don't draft big receivers. Puka Nakua is like a hundred is like two Oh five at six, one and a half. He's probably their biggest receiver. So I, I don't necessarily think that it's built for big receivers, but I, I, th- I think I can understand uh, why like the brain goes there because they do ask the receivers to block a lot and stuff, but it doesn't have to be big guys. It just has to be capable guys for what they're being asked to do. Whereas the X receiver in North Turner's offense, the prototype is Michael Irvin, which is why they drafted Laquan Treadwell. And Treadwell, I thought was a bad pick at the time because I saw him. Oh, you meant isn't. Oh, okay. Well, then ignore my diatribe, Ryan. Um, like, look, like Treadwell had a devastating leg injury. Um, similar, but not similar to Lewis scenes. I think it was a compound fracture of his leg and he had some ligament damage. But it was higher up. It wasn't the ankle. It was the leg. And I still remember because uh, they were about to score and he broke it on the one yard line, fumbled it away. It was uh, unfortunate for a multitude of reasons, not just the injury itself, but within the game script, it was unfortunate. And they want he wanted that guy. Well, in this offense, you find the guy and you make it work. You don't find a guy that's specific. and. Let's let's look at this, okay? The Vikings at the trade deadline. Should they make a trade? Should they stay and put? Should they sell or buy? I think these are very important questions, Dave. I don't think they're going to sell. I think if they got blown out by the 49ers, they would have sold. And I think that's a fact of well, they're just not very good. And you just kind of proved it on a big stage against what I thought was the best team in football going into Monday night. Well, instead they showed, Hey, they're that good. They're that good. And the Vikings could make a run here. Now, is that going to mean Super Bowl? Let's just be real. Probably not. And that's okay. Because success is not measured all the time by a Super Bowl title. Now, it's what we want. We want a Super Bowl. And I, I work for Score North, and the mantra on Purple Daily is, we just want to win a Super Bowl before we die. But it doesn't always have to be X plus Y equals Super Bowl. Could be Z plus Q plus A 
plus seven. Like, there is no concrete path where you have to follow this to get to the Super Bowl. And the Vikings play well this year, and then they still end up finding that future quarterback. That could be even better. Growth with these young players on the team is important for the future success. And it's not always about tanking and just finding that quarterback. Now that's finding that quarterback is a big part of this equation, but having success in figuring out who's working and who you need to replace and how you're going to construct this salary cap roster is important. And one thing that I think they could do and how I approached my piece where I looked at eight different players that the Vikings could end up trading for. What if they found their defensive TJ Hawkinson? What if they found a guy that they trade for and they give a big contract to because they believe, Hey, he's a cornerstone of our team. Now I think there's a few guys out there that they could end up uh, looking at. And, and it starts with the Washington commanders. They have two edge rushers. Now, one of them is Montez Sweat, first round pick, uh, 26 overall in uh, 2019 draft. Five and a half sacks this year, 34 and a half sacks throughout his career. Good little player. Um, I don't think he's better than Daniel Hunter, but I think he's like the tier below. So as your second option, I think he's really good. And I don't know what it would cost to acquire him and his teammate Chase Young, second overall pick, 2020. Thought to be better by analysts than Nick Bosa, who is his college teammate. And he had a torn ACL 2021, basically missed all of 2022. Now, and they did not uh, pick up his fifth year option. Now he's finally starting to really show that he's back and he's, he's ready to come back to form. He doesn't seem to be in the commander's plans long term. Now, is that a good thing? You could argue it's both. You could argue it's good and bad because just because a, a player is showing things, they just may not be in their plans because you got to remember, Ron Rivera didn't draft him. So those things matter, but it might cost a little bit to go get that guy. But then if you give him an extension and then you give Daniel Hunter an extension, all of a sudden you got two edge rushers for the next three to five years, and you're set at that position. Now, what do you do with Marcus Davenport? Well, if, you, if he gets comes back healthy and plays really well, sign him. Put him at five technique. Put him at defensive end, not outside linebacker. Put him at defensive end and let him wreak havoc from the interior because that's where he does a lot of his damage. Get him to bulk up like five to 10 pounds because he already weighs like 280, 285. Get a little bit more. Get some strength. And wreck on the interior. And I think that might actually be a better place for Davenport because of his athleticism and his length and his just overall size. He's got like 35 and a half inch arms. And then you can just do things and flex them out anyways. And you can let him rush from a wide nine. So I think if they want to do a TJ Hawkinson like move where they're going to invest in a player, I think that's a route that they can go. And I think it makes a lot of sense to go there. But Dave, do you want to give up that kind of draft capital just to pay another guy? Because that, that that's something that, yeah, you can do it and arguably should do it. 
the Eagles trading for AJ Brown and then giving him a market value contract is one of the better moves of the last couple of years because it immediately catapulted that Eagles offense to a stratosphere that they hadn't seen in a long time and were able to take advantage of things. And honestly, that was the biggest catalyst of Jalen Hurts' ascension and then making the Super Bowl. But do you want to do that two years in a row where you're giving up draft capital and then giving up a lot of money on the salary cap where it's not the most efficient use of your resources, but you're getting a, a more of a guarantee opens a window product. quicker. Yeah. And you're getting more of a guaranteed product versus like, it's like going to the store and going to the butcher and getting Wagyu beef. You know what you're getting uh, versus you're just going to the shelf and buying something like it, it, it's just a little bit different. And well, it's more like buying that Wagyu beef at the store and cooking it yourself versus going to the best steakhouse in town and have them cook it. You know it's going to be outstanding there. How good and are you? you? Can send it back and they screw it up. Yeah. And how good are you? And what happens if you burn that $70 steak? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, the one I've always sort of eyeballed was Patrick Sertan of the Broncos. If we brought in a corner of his caliber, that would definitely help our secondary. And he's a young man on his first contract. Mm -hmm. We could get a couple years out of him and then have him be a base on the defense, just in the same way you were describing for edges. We need both. Um, but do they want? Do the Vikings want to spend that sort of money when we know we're going after a quarterback of the future at some point in time, sooner rather than later? But who knows? Depends how well they do this year. How far does Kirk get us? So, I actually made the argument in this piece. Question: I don't want to go for anything other than defensive line and pass rush because. You have youth in the secondary and they're playing well. Like there is, you don't look at the cornerback room and be like, okay, this guy stinks. I need to replace him. And I relate it back to the Bengals, the 2021 Bengals team. Their best cornerback was probably Eli Apple or Mike Hilton. But as a unit, nobody was a weak spot and they played really well within what they were asked to do. That to me makes the most sense where you don't have to upgrade a room. That's just playing well. And they're, they're young. So they're, they're learning and developing. It's not like you have three Patrick Petersons where you have to really worry about the future. You already have the future in the room. You spent a second, third and a fourth round pick on your three of your top four cornerbacks in the last two drafts. Now, if you don't think you can get Hunter and you can actually do the Hunter for Sertan trade straight up, like Patrick mentions, Hell yeah, do it. I don't think that I don't think it's something that is going to happen or could realistically happen. But that's why I just focused on edge rushers and defensive linemen. Now, most of these guys I included are rentals and being that the rentals will be cheap. Justin Houston, 13th year edge, still productive. You get him in there 30 to 40 percent of plays. And all of a sudden you're paying a seventh round pick for him. That sounds like a pretty good value. 
Danico Autry, Tyre Tart. They're probably like fifth round pick kind of guys. They can wreak havoc on your defensive line. Leonard Williams, it would you'd have to get creative because he's got an eighteen million dollar base salary, but you could uh, convince the Giants to eat some of that, and then the the Vikings don't have to pay as much because right now they have a shade under eight million dollars in salary cap space. You don't want to use all of that right now. Plus, you have to save some of it, for like when Marcus Davenport comes back, he's got the per game roster bonuses. But that's kind of how I approached it. I thought defensive line and edge rusher were the only positions that I thought were worth exploring on the trade market for long-term solutions. You feel comfortable at safety linebacker. Like I think you feel comfortable with the long-term prospects of guys like Osmo and Ivan pace. And then you can always fortify tight end. You're in a great spot receiver. You're in a good spot running back. Like just draft a guy you're going to have to draft one a little higher, but draft a guy. Offensive line, I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. And that's pretty wild to say. And you're not going to be able to acquire a quarterback at the trade deadline. That's just not how that's going to work for this team. So that that's kind of what I'm looking at. Defensive line and edge rushers. And those are positions that you can come in and play well right away without having to really learn a hefty playbook. So that's why I approached it that way. And I... I would not be shocked if the Vikings made a move. We'll find out. Perfect. Everybody, that is our show for the night. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, you can find all my written work at US, uh, USA Today's Vikings Wire, vikingswire.usadday.com. Um, make sure you hit like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, all the things to help us grow the YouTube channel. We do have subscriptions and we will be ramping up that content here over the next few months. It's the easiest way to support us. And we're going to have a lot of fun stuff here for you down the line. And don't forget two old bloggers with Dave and Darren Saturday afternoon, 4 PM central to get you ready for Sunday's game against the green Bay Packers. Anything else, Dave? Hey, that all sounds good to me. And remember, we have podcasts that drop, not just of shows, but also that are uh, podcast only. So if you get the chance, you're driving to work, you're busy, you can't watch, and you want to listen to something different, especially check out our podcast page on your favorite ad- aggregator. It is there. We'd like to see you listen as well as watch because we offer different things over there. And it's a great way to uh, divert yourself no matter what you're doing and whether you're at work or out shopping with the wife or whatever it is. So enjoy our podcast too. We have a good time making them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, we absolutely do. And now it's time to get horned up with one bar in Lopagus. So. Go check him out. Mm-hmm. He's Dave. I'm Tyler. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. 
that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.